This is the Education Business Podcast for consultants and business owners providing services in schools. I'm Claire Riley, and I'll be sharing how to start, grow, and scale your education business. Welcome to the Education Business Podcast. Ed is joining me for a second month, so it can't have gone that badly last time. <laughs> Hello. Um, just a quick rundown. Last time we we didn't tell you till the middle of it, but um, in case you're listening to the podcast um, as as a new person, um, Ed is the co-founder of Classroom Secrets along with myself, and we're we're married as well. Um, very different from each other. We like each other, which is a bonus, isn't it? We still like each other after all this time. Um, but at Classroom Secrets, I'm very much into the vision and what we're going to do in the future. And Ed's very into the technology aspect. Um, and so we know that that brings a lot of value, particularly if you've started a business and maybe from the teaching world and, you know, that technology piece scares you or, or you want to move forward in your business. You know, technology can help you, but you're not really sure how. So we're going to do this uh, monthly slot. Ed's here as a guest and one of the topics that's come up quite a lot in the voice mentoring that we've been doing recently is ticketing systems. Um, So you might just reply to emails in your inbox. So that's what I want you to think of in terms of a ticketing system if you don't know what one is. But is there a better way? That's what we're going to discuss today. Um, so, for example, if you wanted a VA or a freelancer um, to look at your emails, Ed's going to answer the question, how on earth do you do that? You know, do you just have to give them dodgy access or is there some other way? So, Ed, I want you to imagine that someone's got emails coming into a Gmail address because I know you'll love that one. <laughs> what would you recommend to do first and why? First thing is absolutely don't share your password, right? Never do that. So, yeah. And don't write it down. You haven't said don't write it down. Don't write it down in your black book either yet. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, first thing is, yeah. So, you you probably, I'm hoping, be listening to this and you've got a website. So, you've got a domain at yourbusiness.co.uk. So, usually what happens with that is, you can then create email addresses with hello or contact us or whatever you want at yourbusinessdomain.co.uk. So you want to be looking into that and, and double-checking with whoever you buy a domain from about where, where you can get that information from. And then, so, you know, Gmail's great, right? It's great for personal emails. does what it says on the tin. But it's probably not best suited for um, kind of business-type emails. Now, you can use Google Suite or Office 365 or multiple other email providers that will give you more of a business-level email service. And with all of these, you can basically um, authenticate your domain. So allow Google or Microsoft or whoever it is you're using to provide your email service to send from hello at yourbusinessdomain.co.uk or whatever. So you want to be thinking about that. Because that's that's the first important step is getting that email address and then making sure that email address is receiving the mail from your contact forms on your websites and so on and so forth. So you'll get this inbox from this email address that is represents your business really well. Uh, and so it kind of allows you to kind of get them in one place. Let's just rewind. So 
don't use something like Gmail because it doesn't look professional. But if you've got a website, anyone who's got a website should basically be able to have an email address like this then. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, usually when you when you you perfectively buying that domain. So you you own that domain. So your business.co.uk. That's yours. So you're then just basically using that to identify yourself via email. So it doesn't just give you a website address. It also gives you an email address, technically. Yes, technically. So some of them, there'll be an email service that comes with it. Some of them, with all of them, you can use, you can choose to use a different email service. So for example, we use um, Microsoft Office 365 and we authenticate the domain to allow Microsoft to use that domain within our our email system. So we can create lots of different email addresses for individuals or for kind of group mailboxes and things like that. Hmm. So any any other reasons why maybe Gmail is not the best or like I'm picking on Gmail, but Yahoo or something that's not what the domain of your website is? Um so there are other elements of that. So sometimes they can be sometimes overly aggressive on the spam filtering. So um, you might find that it doesn't like emails coming in from your contact form or something like that. Or if somebody sends you an attachment, it might just slap it straight into spam and you might not see it. So you want to make sure that you've got the right level of control over that. Clearly, you don't want lots of spam. You don't want to put yourself at risk from viruses and phishing and things, but you want to make sure that your real customers can get through to you. So with a, a kind of more of a, um, a business type service from an email provider you're going to get that level of kind of um, control a bit better I think and say say somebody uh, so they get this domain email address and and we've already talked haven't we so it's not just that they've got um, maybe they had gmail but they're going to give out the password and they're just going to let somebody else log in like why why should they not do that well you should never share your password anyway from a data security perspective ever um and you know the end of the day gmail is or an outlook.com or whatever your personal email is are designed for for you personally so the business tools allow things like shared inboxes so you can have multiple people who will have their own email address but they would they've got access to a shared inbox so that's one way you could do it so, you know, when we first started Classroom Secrets, that's what we had. We had a shared inbox where multiple people accessed it, which is great. Everyone could see those emails. Where it doesn't tick the boxes is when you start to scale that and you get huge volumes of emails, it becomes quite unmanageable. Uh, so that's when you want to be looking at something like a, a ticketing system, which basically allows you to push your emails into one pot but also, you know, they, they get statuses at that point. So are they open? Are they closed? Are they pending? Or whatever the statuses you are, and you get customization on that as well. Um, but it allows you to get a really clear view of what what contacts from your customers you need to deal with. You can segment, segment them into pots and things like that to help you manage them better. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, we did have um, a shared um, inbox, didn't we, on Outlook? And, and you know, I'd be looking at it, you'd be looking at it, uh, my sister, my mum, and uh, Sean, who's now our ops director, we'd all be looking at it. But it's hard to track as well, isn't it? You can't, you can't track like 
the response times on the emails or um, who's responding to to what. And maybe that doesn't matter when you, you've got a team like that, but as you roll that out, you do need to kind of keep a check on it because they're the questions you need answering really, aren't they? Or indeed, if somebody accidentally deletes an email in an Outlook inbox, and for some reason, it, you know, obviously it just going to the delete times, but sometimes it doesn't always always work, so you can miss emails. Um, so whereas in the ticketing systems, often it's a case of you can't delete an email unless you're a certain level of access, but also you kind of close the email so it's kind of archived off, plus you get a full audit there as well, so you can see exactly what's happened with that particular email. Is it essential that someone uses a ticketing system? Do you, do you recommend it if somebody's just working on their own? No, I think if it's not, it's not essential. Um, I think you could, if you're working on your own, you could you could get away with a shared inbox. I think you've got to think again around where you're going with your business. If it's if it's just you and you just want to focus on what you're going to do with it, and you're dealing with those emails, and you don't ever see the need for anybody else to help you with those emails, then. Uh, you know, your bog standard inbox will do do what you need it to do properly as long as you've got folders to kind of follow your own processes and things. But as soon as you think about somebody else having to help you with those emails, that would be, and especially as you start to scale and the volumes increase, that would be the point you want to look at a ticketing system. So last time you were on, we talked about CRMs. If you're on your own and you've got a CRM in place because you feel like you need that to manage your customers because maybe you've got a number of customers and you need to know what's going on, would you recommend using a ticketing system then rather than using like an Outlook um, inbox so that it's linked? Yeah, again, yeah. So when, in, the, in the previous episode, we talked about CRMs. We talked about what other systems you've got that link to CRM systems and things. And this is a perfect example of that. It's a, that CRM is about getting single view of your customers. So... You know, if, you, if you're kind of choosing the right tools to support your business, that the ticketing system should be able to communicate in some way to your CRM system so that you can see from your CRM system um, what emails have been received from that customer. And even in some cases, you can respond from your CRM system as well. Um, okay. Um, so how, do, how does a ticketing system actually work then? So you've still got your... Your email address, your nice domain, hello at... Hello at classroomsecrets.co.uk. Hello at classroomsecrets.co.uk. If you email it, you will not get through to us. No. (laughs) Um, So essentially, you've you've still got that. That still exists, and that's your kind of customer-facing pretty email address. When you create your ticketing system, when you first set it up, there'll be a default standard email address that's created as part of the process, depending which provider it is. There'll be their domain or whatever on the end of it but effectively you would then forward emails from your nice looking email address into this default email address again you need to do some authentication steps to allow the ticketing system to send on behalf of your nice looking email address um, but as soon as you've done that mail coming in will land in your ticketing system and then you can reply out from that ticketing system as well um, but from a customer's perspective then on the wiser um, so that that would be effectively how you'd sort of hook that together to make that work. So you see all the emails just basically in a, in a slightly different place. We use Zoho Desktop because we, we, we love Zoho mm-hmm. so much. Um, and it just it's just a different place to see them, isn't it? Um, and yeah. what, what are some other features that 
you could see in a ticketing system that maybe you might not have in an Outlook um, inbox. Um, so it's much, much easier to see the history of that. So, you know, you can, it will create, when a ticket comes in, it will create a customer as well as obviously the email. So any then future emails and things against that customer are really easy to see. Um, and obviously collecting data. So you, as Claire, I think, mentioned earlier, you can see the average response times to the tickets, things like that. Um, you know, and, and actually you can do clever automation pieces with replying to the customer with a nice auto reply that potentially you probably had it yourselves where you get a number, this is your ticket number or contact number, whatever, and, and you can kind of improve that customer experience, do things like measure um, what Zoho calls happiness ratings, but effectively customer satisfaction at the end of the that kind of correspondence. Um, you know, the tracking piece. The, the other thing to think about is we talked about emails here, but a lot of these systems are omni-channel ticketing systems. So actually, you can link in Facebook. So if you get a message on your Facebook, that comes into the same pot. If you get a tweet on Twitter, it can come into the same pot. So effectively start building this single place of responding to customers rather than having to log into Facebook here and Twitter there and Instagram over here. All of the, most of the big um, social media platforms nowadays will link in. You can do SMS, WhatsApp, and so on. Um, so it kind of gives you lots of different options to centralize your, your customer contact. And what about saving your time? You know, if you've got... Um... If you get a really common question that comes through and maybe they're not looking at the frequently asked questions or that kind of thing, are there any um, tools available for that? Yeah, so often they'll come with knowledge-based functionality. So you might have FAQs on your website anyway, but some of them will also come with the ability to build knowledge bases, which can be customer-facing knowledge bases, so they can self-serve. Also, there's the internal element of that. Um, where the individual responding to the email can um, can kind of search knowledge base to find the answer and kind of copy and paste blocks of answers rather than having to key it. So that speeds, speeds time up. A lot of them now are kind of using AI as well to automatically suggest responses to customers and things like that. So this, some of these clever extra fun- functionalities is kind of appearing um, and things like um, chatbot type experiences as well are becoming more common from these platforms. So you can build, if you've got frequently asked types of questions, you can build a chatbot that can answer that for them to save you time. Yeah, I think, you know, ticketing systems are so valuable for any entrepreneur, especially as you're moving forward and maybe thinking about getting a team member, even if it's only for a, a, a few hours a week to help you, just to move you forward because... I feel in some ways, and, and I'm seeing this more now in the mentoring, I don't know about you, Ed, but um, the customer service, it, it that's what eats the time up. Um, it holds you back from working on your business because you've got to cover the customer service. Say, for example, you, you had a resources business like us, you'd want to really focus on that, but it's actually really hard to do so because maybe you're spending a couple of hours a day on customer service and and I think more and more we're definitely seeing with the entrepreneurs that we're helping move forward is customer service is huge for everybody and and being able to 
streamline that and get support with that and make it take less time every day is massive benefit for your business, really. Yeah, it is. And and you probably, the thing is, the customer service, it's very reactive. I think it's often hard to plan what number of emails you're going to get, et cetera. Um, so you, it is reactive and you can eat time significantly if you're not careful. So, you know, that's one of the other good things is over time, and I'm talking probably over at least a year, you'll be able to see trends across the year. You say customer service is busier in September, but quieter in July, for example, um, and you can start to see data and trends. So that's the other element to this, these types of systems is reporting and, and data you can glean from it to help you make those better decisions and indeed potentially flex the the colleagues you've got working on it. If you need to put more colleagues on customer service in September, but less in July, how can you be clever about the way you use that resource? Yeah. Or, or if you're still alone, knowing that in September you're going to spend more time on customer service, mm-hmm. but you can spend more time in July creating new products. And I think yeah. um, it's funny, isn't it? One, one thing that I really like about the data that we can get from the systems that we use is we can have feelings about things and it's not necessarily that we're wrong, but we can think, oh, customer service is really busy. And and it usually is, but the data will tell us maybe it's not as busy as we thought or we might have reduced from the year before. And sometimes that's really helpful to readjust our feelings about something because we can just, we, we can kind of take that from the past and, and take the feeling without the truth, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And if we can readjust our feelings about it, then we can we can work on it differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Right, well, we've taken up too much time now, but um, this has been fun, hasn't it? This is our second episode yes. and... Um, we're um, we're gonna go now, um, but we'd we'd love it if you'd let us know. You know, is this useful? Mm-hmm. Um, is there any other topics that you would like us to cover um, from a technical perspective when it comes to your education business and growing it and having the the processes and systems and automations in place uh, in order to save you time and be able to grow your business. Thank you for listening to the Education Business Podcast. To get more information to grow your business, sign up at educationbusinessclub.co.uk.